Hey everybody, welcome into Show Notes 99. How you doing? Um, I sound bad, but I feel fine. You sound so much better than yesterday. Yeah. Like, I so much better. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sick. I have no symptoms other than being congested, but I don't even feel really congested. 99 is giving me COVID as we speak. Yeah. Yeah, me of all people. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's something wrong with my allergies in that they are there. Maybe because the world in our little neck of the woods can't figure out if it's fall or winter yet. Or spring. Or spring. Yeah. That's, well, that that was my first theory. <laughs> then my second theory. So um, I have something called oral allergy syndrome. So like, don't, it's not, no. Come, you can't do that to well, me. Well, I wasn't just, even thinking about it. I, I was thinking mm-hmm. about my, my medical things. Okay. Where certain foods can like, I won't have like anaphylactic shock, but mm. they make my, my throat itchy, 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 mm-hmm. and like my ears itchy. And so I had bought a bunch of fresh parsley and I was like just eating like bushels of fresh parsley mm. and fresh parsley can trigger people with pollen allergies, which I have. So I was, that was my second theory, but I haven't eaten it in days. I have another theory. What? You have an allergy to ugly dogs and you've been spending a lot of time in the apartment with Henry. Sorry, did you say something? Let's move on into show notes. We have some feedback. It's kind of a speed round today because we're really just responding to feedback from our freeform midterm episode since we didn't have a full-fledged unfucking during the midterms. So, And we also have some other general feedback as well. So let's get to it. We're talking about feedback from our gathering where we had Manny Faces with us, which was, uh, which was a pleasant surprise. That was, uh, that was a nice little thing that we did. And now with everything in the rear view, we've got Democrats in control of the Senate, Republicans back in control of the House, and that is pretty much official at this point. This is actually, I think, maybe breaking news. Joe Biden is the president. Yeah, president of the country. So Dems got two, Republicans got one. Gridlock awaits. But that's not stopping the Democrats right now with the help of some Republicans as we speak, as we were coming into the studio, from advancing a same-sex marriage bill to protect marriage equality in the United States. So it's nice to see that they can actually get some things done in this end of the end of the session before they head into complete gridlock. Can they right? do something about DJ from Full House making a bunch of holiday movies that won't have LGBTQ stories? Has she fully hooked up with Kirk Cameron? They're what? What do you mean? They're siblings. Wait a second. I don't know what's happening. DJ from Full House. Candace Cameron? Is Kirk Cameron's sister. Candace Cameron is Kirk Cameron's sister? I never knew her real name. I don't know if this is real or not. I swear to God. Yeah, they're siblings. <laughs> God. So it's really the parents. We have to go back, right? Yeah, Who I mean, are the Camerons? No idea. Probably Fucking some assholes. pastors somewhere. Wow. Yeah, so she left Hallmark yep. to go to GAC which I'm calling it, Great American Country. Uh-huh. Maybe other people call it GAC. All right. And she's like producing a bunch of, she said that Hallmark didn't have any like soul or values anymore because they were starting to have gay people and people of color in their movies. She didn't say the people of color, but it was implied. But she's outright said, I'm going to have traditional marriage stories oh. in my movies. Oh. So 
Well, that reflects poorly on Full and Fuller House, doesn't it? Uh, it re- no, I mean, if they continued to make it with her, sure. I don't think she had gone like this full on being What does Uncle bigot. Jesse th- you think about all of this? Jesse, Jesse Stamos. John Stamos? <laughs> I mean, he loves that Greek yogurt from the commercials. Mm-hmm. He was on Glee, so he definitely doesn't hate gay people. True. So, wow. sorry, continue. That's okay. Uh, so good news that they're going to advance that bill. Kevin McCarthy and Turtlefuck both beat back advances from the new right wing of their party to maintain their leadership position. So that happened. And uh, going forward, all eyes will be on Georgia to see if they can neutralize Manchin and Cinema in the Democratic caucus. So we've got one win and one loss from our hell raising period. We've got Summer Lee going to the House. And sadly, we have Rojo returning to the Senate. So the hell raising now, I guess, just comes down to Georgia, which is what everybody needs to be beating the bush about and getting all your Georgian friends. Now we have, what did we figure? I think the the number's up to 72. I think between the last time we recorded and now, Manny had four other children. So that's really good news. I don't know if they're voting age, but that means that a handful of others probably matriculated into you know voting age, right? Anyway, so if you got friends in Georgia, just remember, this is all about keeping Herschel out and suppressing Manchin and Cinema's desires to fuck with the party going forward. We have a lot of judges to appoint. Don't forget that. A lot of judges to appoint over the next two years. So that is going to be the central theme of the rest of the Biden administration. By the way, amazing restraint showed by the president with uh, all of his fellow leaders at the G20 and not immediately condemning or rushing to judgment on the attack that trickled over into Poland. I mean, it, it made the rounds. It looked like it was going to be World War III. <laughs> you know, there's a rocket fired into Poland, supposedly killing two people, which I don't even know if that's even confirmed. And I think it's confirmed. That two people died? I, I mean, news outlets are reporting it. Okay. I don't want to, you know, detract from their lives lost. But they actually exercised a little bit of restraint and judgment and said, hey, why don't we all kind of get together? Let's talk about this since we're together, but let's not rush to judgment until the investigation's over. And then they discovered that uh, the rocket was likely fired from Ukraine into Poland by trying to, you know, shoot down uh, Russian rockets. Point being, for anybody who is hopping on the Trump bandwagon, which I can't imagine that there's anybody in this listening audience that is doing that, but you might know somebody who's like really psyched about this. Put Trump in that position of rockets flying into other countries and how he would have just gone completely off the handle, issued all of these declarations and muddied the waters. It's just like one small sliver of an example of what it's like to actually have an adult in the room that's managing foreign affairs and managing the country. Not just brushing aside all of the things that dismay me about the Biden administration or, you know, the way that they conduct foreign policy or anything like that. Just another example that normalcy is okay, And, you know, whatever's going to come within the Republican Party over the next couple of years is going to be fucking bananas. And I'm just okay with the boring right now while we try to figure some things out and gather some momentum within the Progressive Caucus to build momentum for the next election cycle. Well, these headlines are, I just Googled it because I meant to this morning to see what people were saying. About his announcement? Yeah, Politico saying, Ivanka Trump on dad's announcement night. I'm done with politics. Okay, cool. Great. Donald Trump makes people gag with potential new slogan for 2024. Donald Trump talks 2024 run. Melania wears American designer label. Ooh. 538 says why Trump is favored to win the 2024 Republican presidential primary. You know what? Done with you, 538. Done with you. I'm not going to lie. The theater 
that I'm building up in my mind between him and DeSantis is just going to be legendary. Trump ally, billionaire GOP mega donor Ronald Lauder won't back Trump's 2024 run for president. So there you go. Remember, fuck you, Ron Lauder, for fucking with New York. We can still hate people, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just... Financial Times. Times. Ron DeSantis is Donald Trump with brains and without the drama. That was a month ago. I mean, without the drama? Really? Okay. I just... And really not the brains. I mean, he's he's clever. He has a brain where Trump has none. Right. So it's like... It it didn't say... Saying someone has a brain doesn't mean they're smart, is what it is. Yeah. I don't think any of this is funny. Mm -hmm. I know that people are jumping to, like irreverence because they're it's coping but it's just so horrific to me the the potential here that it's like i can't even think about it or joke about it because it's so depraved that we have to sit through an election cycle with Mm -hmm. this and that the outcome could still be awful because if either one of the i almost i know i almost feel like it would be better if he won than desantis is that no, that uh, well. First of all, that that is not a that's not an out there thought. There, I think there's a lot of people that are just like you know. I'd rather I'd rather beat the devil that we yeah, know because we beat him it. again. You know. Yeah. We then he can never do it again. You know, presuming he doesn't end the world. And all those middle of the road Republicans that were frustrated and exhausted from Trump could theoretically move over and back DeSantis, of course. And they also could theoretically die because they're all old. Well, a lot of them are old. There was a Young Turks episode. That just tease the idea that in certain states, in certain very red states, the margin of victory was so slight that it's possible to theorize that the COVID deaths in the red states oh my God. impacted and swayed the election. I mean in certain house seats. I'm that does not right? that just seems feasible and likely. Yeah. Because think about that. I'm sure I'm, that more Anti-mask people are Republican, so... What, what was the effect in New York State of all the Democrats that, that perished in the very beginning of the, uh, right? I don't know. I don't know that we saw much of a change here, though. Oh, my goodness, in New York State? But, like, in the in the areas that Radical we know... changes. But, like, vibe-wise, you know what I mean? No? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. feel like We're I... We're going to dig more into New York State. I've okay. got to... The whole... The way that New York fell out is sitting in my ass sideways like a chicken bone and I can't fucking Ew. stop thinking about it. So yeah, like I, I, do a, I know the way that, that the numbers came out, but like I don't feel like hearts and minds were changed even if numbers showed it is what yeah. I'm trying to convey. Well. So much for speed round. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it a little bit. I want, I do want to set up uh, an expectation for the next couple of weeks, but uh, before we move on from the hell raising part of our year here, just remember that we're still trying to raise some friends and raise some funds and looking to get to our goal of 420 members. I think we're just inching up around 300 now, which is exciting. So we're still pressing forward. And I thank everybody for jumping on board to support us. If you go to unftr.com, you can find out all sorts of ways to support us. One of the ways, of course, is to become a sustaining member of the show. Now, quick update on the upcoming shows. Uh, And I think I could say this finally with some authority because they're like 90% scripted, including the one we're about to record, which is part one of a three-part series on public education in the United States. And this might be 
the deepest that I've gone into a particular subject. So for all of the educators out there, I really honestly hope that I nail it for you. I'm very anxious to get these out into the world and to receive your feedback on it. And quickly, here's my approach so you know what's coming up. Over the next couple of weeks, these episodes will be in order. The first one, a level-setting episode talking about the language of education, the culture, how the system is constructed, different types of curriculum, really sort of a deep dive into understanding the business of education. Because so often our interactions with it, or at least, the you know, whether it's it directly with your children at school or at a school board, are so transactional. And now the, I guess, the issues and the conflicts surrounding the things that are bothering us as a nation that were you know, teased out in the election cycle, like critical race theory or mask mandates, school closures, all those things have sort of it sort of cast a pall over the field itself. And teachers have come under assault and budgets have come under assault. Administrators, the whole system seems to be under attack in a way that, let's say, healthcare workers were not under attack. Healthcare workers were totally lauded during the pandemic as an example, and teachers were thrown under the bus. And as a result of that, you saw grades decline, our testing decline, and you saw a mass exodus from the profession itself. So we're going to talk a little bit about the whys and the wherefores of how that happened during that period of time. Go back a little bit to talk about the budget process and how schools are funded so that we can really contextualize the next two episodes, which are, I think, more important. So the second episode, kind of like we did, I guess, in the Clinton series, is going to be a full history of public education in the United States, K through 12, how it came about, how, again, funding changed, how it was influenced by, of course, the Civil War and then Reconstruction. And in so in part two, we're going to have three sections. We're going to talk about the foundation and expansion of public education. Then we're going to get into reconstruction and how that sort of reformulated the entire calculus for how education would spread throughout the growing country. And as we added new states and admitted them back into the union with new state constitutions. And then we're going to get into the period of desegregation, which is sort of like the three first most important eras of education in the United States. Then part three is going to be strictly about privatization. So part three is going to delve into what I see as the biggest issue and challenge facing us as a nation and facing our children going forward. And that is the growth of charter schools, school choice discussions, vouchers, private education, parochial education. And one thing that I believe is a fundamental threat to the entire system which might reverberate through not only our culture and society, but has the has the possibility of really ruining certain aspects of our democracy. This, I mean, this is this is really how I feel after going through the process. I'm so excited to to put it out into the world. So I hope that uh, you come along with me for the ride for the next few weeks and are interested in it. Because the one thing that I think is amazing is that every single person, because we do have a compulsory education system in this country, every single person who will listen to this, every single person that you know, will be touched and affected by education in this country. It is unavoidable. You either went to, went to school, you're either putting somebody through school, or you're paying for school through your taxes. So it's universal. It affects everybody. 
So I hope I nail it. I hope you dig it. And I hope we all, I hope you see what I see in the biggest threat. And there will be some, you know, let's just say we'll be pulling on some very familiar threads that unfuckers will, their ears will perk up and you'll recognize, you know, kind of where we're going with some of these themes. So anyway, with that, why don't we get into emails and feedback from our midterms episode? The first one is from Scott the Skier. Oh, I saw this one come in today. Okay. Scott Skier said, I had the chance to listen to your midterm recap, and I have to say you completely missed the story in Colorado. Not sure who the dude you mentioned losing was, but he must have been the worst performing Democrat in the state. Uh, So for context, that was David Torres. And uh, Scott the Skier, just so you know, we had kind of partially adopted the Torres race because he was very close, near and dear to a lot of our Coloradan unfuckers. Uh, specifically the um, the Stifler family, as we refer to them. But uh, Jen S. and her husband were working really hard and really diligently. And we got to see some of David Torres's campaign stuff, and we got to see him interact on social media. Terrific guy, very, very bright guy, and hopefully has a bright future ahead of him. So we were just pointing out that, unfortunately, that race didn't go our way, but the rest of the state actually did some some pretty good things. So Scott says, the real story is Brittany Peterson, the great progressive woman that CD7 is sending to Congress when CD7 was first created after the 2000 census. It used to be a very red county in Jefferson County back then. Tuesday's results, the Democrats ran the table. We won every single elected office in the county and chose an awesome progressive to send to Congress. That's the story of Colorado this year. None of the statewide MAGA candidates had a chance. We almost got rid of Boebert. I have to admit, I would have missed your machine gun dialogue if the western part of the state had sent her packing, but it was a heck of a lot closer than anyone thought. All right, so well done. Thank you for highlighting that particular race. Now that Brittany is on our radar, we'll be following her, and hopefully she joins the Progressive Caucus and is not just a perfunctory member of the caucus, but an actual contributing member aligning with uh, some of our heroes there. God bless you. I tried to 99. wait. Sorry. It's okay. And next we hear from Justin J. 99. So Justin said, I just wanted to expand on your discussion about Fetterman. The authenticity of the candidate is extremely important. Even though I'm in upstate New York and couldn't vote for him, he felt genuine and relatable to people like me. I'm a project manager on heavy civil roadway and bridge projects, which in this industry, people can smell bullshit from a mile away. I think about Trump sitting in the semi-truck, Oz trying to relate to middle-class grocery shoppers talking about crudités, Cruz in his stupid fucking cowboy boots. They're all <laughs> bullshit. At the end of the day, they're the ones who look down on people with work boots, dirt in their clothes, and rough hands. Dems need to hammer this message of Republican elitism and expose their fake candidates. I love it. I love it. Truer words were never spoken, and I think that we saw that in a handful of races across the country where authenticity truly mattered. It did not hurt that the Republicans... I mean, honestly, put up a fucking ridiculous slate of candidates in so many different ways. And I saw some equivalencies where people were trying to say, hey, all is not lost because, you know, DeSantis really, uh, you know, cleaned house in Florida. He he cleaned up. It was a a true bright spot. J.D. Vance still got into the Senate. J.D. Vance, again, not Blake Masters. Blake Masters is fucking Gollum. I mean, even more so than than Ted Cruz. He is the slimiest snake oil bullshit salesman that I've I've ever seen as a candidate, and he just didn't resonate. That's not J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance is a clean-cut, moralizing, successful person who had success outside of the Peter Thiel universe, even though he was definitely a Peter Thiel invention 
He had success outside of it, and he became a national figure. And he acquitted himself fairly well in some of the you know more high-profile events and debates. And they had a tremendous amount of money to spend to run against Ryan. So that is that is not the case with some of these other candidates who were just a fucking disaster. So that really helped. Would Fetterman have done as well against another J.D. Vance type character in Pennsylvania? I don't know. But I'm willing to bet that he still would have eked out a victory there because he just knows how to connect with people. And it's so important for us to remember that. Mm. Now, Nathan S. said, thank you as always for your clear and intelligent summaries of the midterms. This was one of your more hopeful episodes, and it was good to hear that it laid it out that way. I like how you laid out the improvements that progressives have made, as well as the impact on Donald Trump. But as you know with me, I have some thoughts on what you might want to consider. Nathan S., we wouldn't have it any other way. Number one, the governor race. I know you have issues with Kathy Hochul. I'm not disputing those. However, I think the way you beat her up on the podcast may not be fully fair in terms of who is competing with her. To me, it is a clear false equivalency to compare Hochul with Zeldin. Uh, in this election, most likely for the first time since the Civil War, our democracy is at threat, and Zeldin literally delivered a speech on the House floor on January 6th, expressing no regret for the insurrection. Number two, voter suppression. I believe where sometimes the Democrats turn off the independents is when we push the woke issues too far. In the examples laid out in the podcast regarding voter suppression, neither seem to me to be even close to suppression, but more human error, which happens everywhere. And lastly, life is not always easy, and in both cases of the incorrect address in your roommate's issue with a different district or minor, voters should have some degree of homework to do and accountability to figure some of it out. I wanted to get my thoughts out, otherwise love the show. So on the Hochul and Zeldin thing, I think it's okay to be honest that we're holding our nose and voting for a particular candidate because we didn't get our way in the primaries, let's say, although there was no progressive candidate of, of any meaning in the primary that would have upended this race. But it's okay to be honest that, hey, I fucking hate this person, but I hate this other person more. And in this case, there's people that have been criticizing us for, for continuing to use the phrase lesser of two evils, but it's a real fucking thing. Like yeah. Kathy Hochul stole $500 million from the Seneca Nation to fund a stadium for the fucking Buffalo Bills. There's just no two ways about it. She is a backroom, smoky room dealer who cuts all of her uh, constituents out of the budget process and, and has, you know, backhanded deals. She's not a progressive in any way. In fact, it's hard to even know kind of what she stands for. And, you know, her husband is a, is a businessman with ties to, you know, different major funders within some of these communities in upstate. Like upstate is a whole different world than what's happening downstate. Fine. And I'm not even saying that she's corrupt, but I mean, the first fucking thing that she did was she chose the lieutenant governor without even doing a background search who wound up fucking being indicted within like 10 seconds. So, you know, not a great candidate. I'll never get over or never forgive her treatment of the Seneca Nation because she clearly does not care about indigenous issues in New York State. So fuck her. And also, Lee Zeldin, to me, is a fucking a criminal of the highest order. I mean, we went through his entire platform, more fracking, to bring back solitary confinement, to redo the curriculum in the schools to make sure that we weren't talking about, I don't know, U.S. history because he wanted to eliminate all talk about race relations in the United States. And he wanted to lower taxes for rich people. I mean, that was it. 
It was his entire fucking platform. Oh, and he wanted to be tough on crime, so he wanted to get rid of cashless bail and all the other great reforms that we went into great length and detail to express. So... Not great reforms. You said great reforms, but you meant great detail. Reforms that we went into great detail to <laughs> Just, express. Just, you know, Thank there's you. always... Yes. So that's, again, that's my take on that. And uh, as far as the voter suppression, I think, and I'm 99, I'll hand it to you because I don't want to speak for you, but I took that when you were talking about it as as partially tongue-in-cheek, but as an illustration of like, hey, they kind of made this weird and they kind of made this difficult, but also... Why do I have a different representative than people in the building that I live in? And yeah. that's something that still needs to be figured out. Yeah. You know, Nathan S., you know I love you, but <laughs> seriously, fuck off. <laughs> I, can I not make a goddamn joke these days? I'm like a, I'm like a boomer getting canceled. I'm like, no one can say anything. But I'm like, obviously, I don't think I was fucking voter suppressed because I went to the wrong location because they put it online. I figured it out. Other people probably figured it out. But at the same time. It's a place with a lot of elderly people who might not know how to figure that out. Right. Or what about people who don't speak English who might not know that there's literally another Jewish community center down the road if you're not from there, which I'm not from that town. I just happen to know about it because I, you know, I work near there or whatever. So if you're if you are there because for for early voting you can vote in anywhere in your county that's open. So you might not be from there, you might not be familiar with the place. So I don't care if it's it is incompetence, but incompetence leads to suppression. So that's one part. And the second one, my roommate did not put the wrong address in. She gave them our address and she was given something wrong. You know, when you're when you're just like one person in a, in a situation like that, are you going to be the one to stand up to like the, the weird like, you know, a lot of poll workers are passive aggressive. They don't they act like they want to be there because they volunteered, but they don't. And they're always like mad at you. It's like going to the DMV. Mine aren't. They're wonderful. I love them. Fine. Everywhere I go, they're always <laughs> like, what do you want? And I'm like, OK, sorry, democracy. You should have you should just buy an entire sheet cake on the way out. OK. And, and they'll love you forever. I did not see a bake sale at either. At, they have one when I go to like my actual polling place, but none of the early voting ones have. Well, that's there. absurd. They didn't even have stickers. What? Yeah. I, I voted stickers? None. So mm -hmm. she did not. There was no user error on her behalf <laughs> either. She is one person and, you know, it's her first time voting in the midterms in this area. And I'm mad because don't be mean to my roommate because she's my best friend. You know, you, you know, in the conversation right before we got on the mic, you claim to have a different best friend. You can, How many best friends do you have? In the words of Mindy on the Mindy Project, best friend is not a person, Max. It's a tear. Oh, OK. So anyway, um. One thing I love, and Bookstore Kim does this as well, anytime Nathan sends us criticism or uh, Bookstore Kim wants to like weigh in with something, Maria from Puerto Rico does it too, they like buy us a coffee. Yeah. And what I love about that. that is it's like a it's like a virtual sit down and chat. They're like, hey, want to grab a cup of coffee? I'll buy because I want to lay into you for a little bit. I just, I think it's, you don't have to do that, Nathan. I'm just, I'm just calling it out that uh, you are very, um, you're very polite. You're very respectful in that way, but yes. we can agree to disagree as well. That's why I feel now you have to now you have to take it back. You can't tell them to fuck off. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Boomer. I can't. It's not so. It's almost like it's a power move because they can buy us coffee, but we can't buy them coffee. <laughs> we just we sell them coffee. So I'm the villain now, telling the person who bought us coffee to fuck off. I think you're, you're Love, you in said a loving it way. You're the boomer. Yeah, you're a boomer. It's just in a loving way, just like. Sometimes, like you're telling your buddy, "Hey, fuck off." Yeah, yeah, fuck you, stupid bruh. bitch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, brah. Uh, now, Joel said, 
and that's not Joel, it's Joe L said, I'm seeing pro-Democratic commentators criticize the legally drawn New York districts for giving the House to Republicans if they do indeed get the majority. New York drew maps that the court said do not comply with the law, and then the maps were redrawn to comply in time for elections. Not a mention of the unconstitutional maps Ohio was ordered to redraw and didn't. They ran out the clock, kept the illegally drawn districts for the election. It seems like an argument was being made in the midterms podcast that Dems should ignore the will of the voters that voted to end gerrymandering in New York, as did voters in Ohio, and draw maps for partisan electoral advantage like Republicans did in Ohio. If that's the argument you were making, fuck that, I call bullshit. Call out the fucking assholes, break the fucking law, and subverting democracy. Ohio's fucking illegal maps unconstitutionally secured supermajorities in their fucking state house and sent more fucking Republicans to Capitol Hill motherfuckers. Or at least fucking mention it in the same conversation as the fucking New York redistricting. If I incorrectly inferred the point you were making, please disregard. Um, if I recall, I think the point that I was making is that the Democratic leadership in in New York is serially corrupt and incompetent. And that they had illegally drawn the maps and then they got thrown out and the real maps came in. My, my issue wasn't actually with how the districts wound up being drawn because they were actually the court-ordered maps. My issue is that the leadership, and your example in Ohio is absolutely right, and there's an issue down in Florida as well. It's like Republicans were able to have their way with redistricting, but Democrats were speaking out of both sides of their mouth. That's what I was upset about initially when it was when we were talking about redistricting and, and gerrymandering. Democrats were speaking out of both sides of their mouth, criticizing Republicans across the board for gerrymandering. And then the Democrats went and did the same fucking thing here, which is endemic of the type of snubbing that they give to the electorate in New York State. So they they got what they deserve. And as an electorate, we got what we deserve as well because we got the you know maps that returned to the original form. They do need to be redrawn anyway because there are some funky fucking districts in New York. So the whole thing needs to be the whole thing needs to be reimagined. But just staying on the point about the New York Democratic leadership, I'm, I, again, I, I'm, I'm leaning into doing a topical cream on this, so I don't want to go too, into too much detail. But I happen to know a lot about the New York Republicans and a lot about the New York Democrats. And they are as careerist and motivated by business interest and political interest as anybody else that you've ever seen at the local level. These are not ideologues. They don't give a flying fuck about democracy or progressive issues or doing anything to actually improve the lives of New Yorkers. They really don't. I mean, there's a handful out there, I've said before on this show, that the best politician, the most honest government official and elected official in the country is the state controller of New York, a guy named Tom DiNapoli. That is from personal experience, from professional experience and journalistic experience. He's the best elected official, period, end of story. Fight me. But on balance, the rest of them are, when it comes to the actual leadership itself, they're very troubling. Witness, for example, AOC, who released a statement and said that in in the four years that she's been in office, she has never once had a conversation with the leader of the Democratic Party in New York State, with Jay Jacobs. Not one, except for trading messages on social media or attacks in the media when he was actively campaigning against progressive candidates like the socialist who won the primary in Buffalo 
and he was campaigning against her, even though that was the candidate that won on the Democratic line. So they don't give a fuck about progressives. In fact, they work against them. That's my big problem with New York State. As far as the rest of your message here, Joe, I'm totally on board with you. And it's fucking ridiculous that we have to live with gerrymandering in any of these states in any form. And there you go. Now let's hand it over to 99 for Wade-O. Wade-O. <laughs> so Wade said, love the show. I've listened to at least some of every episode since my friend introduced me through Ayn Rand was a dick. Yay. I need to go back and listen just for your hilarious human ashtray insults, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, so it actually looks like Wade echoed a lot of Joel's sentiments about New York and even brought up Ohio and gerrymandering. So do you have additional points or just no, um, to both of y'all? Yeah, and, and again, Ohio is such, it's such an important state and because Ohio and Wisconsin no now, ever. remember, we're, we're, we basically have to give up on Florida, right? Florida's a red state. It's a red state. That's done. When we talk about these swing states, every generation or two generations, the nature of swing states changes in the United States. And then sometimes you just see them thrown out entirely, like in the uh, when Reagan nearly ran the table in, in his first election against Jimmy Carter. So we have to get this right. And, and we all have to be operating by the same standards. What I do like about this is I would say probably 10 years ago. If you talked about gerrymandering with anybody, you just got a lot of blank stares. Like people really didn't understand the idea that and because it happens only every 10 years in most of the state legislatures, like people just it was so infrequent that they didn't really pay attention to it. But we're so closer to our local politics these days than we ever used to be, you know, because of the Trump phenomenon that people are paying attention to this stuff. And hopefully there'll be some accountability and some measures again, because the Republicans have made such a big fucking deal about the electoral crisis in this country that I I think it can only have a positive effect on things like this, which will be an un, unintended consequence on their side, but it'll only have an, a positive effect on the fuckery that goes on within some of these state legislatures. And remember also what we're fighting for. Go back to our episode on the Convention of States. There's another rationale for gerrymandering in the background where they want to take control of these local state houses so that they have the ability to contribute to rewriting the literal fucking constitution of the United States. And if you don't believe me, just go back and listen to that episode because they've made a lot of ground over the past two decades. Anyway, so I'm going to agree, Wade-O, Joe L, uh, with both of you, that Ohio was the real story, but it doesn't excuse Democrats in New York from doing what they did. I made a joke while you were talking. In your head? No, out loud. But someone's going to hear it and then be mad at me because you said Ohio is a very important state. And I said, said no one ever. <laughs> so just just calling attention to it. So no one is like, I live in Ohio and I love it. I have no, I don't have any bad feelings towards Ohio. I have one friend from Ohio. Congrats. Just one. Isn't that weird? There's a lot of presidents from Ohio. Too. I... I think, isn't Ohio like the number one state for producing presidents? You would know that, not me. I would know, like, the number one state for producing IPAs. Maybe that's it. Jam bands. <laughs> I think it's actually New York, honestly. Is it New York? You it's probably between New York, Virginia, and Ohio. For jam bands? What? Presidents. <laughs> I don't fucking know. 
I'm already talking about jam bands. You, you think I'm oh, still God. thinking? 99 slacked me the other day. She's like, bye, I'll see you in a year because like her favorite band just released a bunch of dates and she's got all of these other shows and she was online waiting for Taylor Swift tickets and it's just I'm just never going to see her because she's going to be attending concerts. Well, I did get the Taylor Swift months. tickets Yay. and I corralled all of my friends who go to see this one band and I made a spreadsheet of who's going where and who can buy the tickets for those nights. Wow. I felt really proud because I said, wow, I'm putting my work skills to use in my personal life. And that's mm -hmm. what life is about. So much for your work-life balance, huh? Yeah, that's... Or is this an example of it? P perhaps. <laughs> Maybe a prime example. All right. What does Thomas H. have to say to us? So Thomas H. said, I'm through the first hour of your election cast. I listen during my morning walk, so I will finish later. Well, I hope you finish, Thomas. I had not heard you talk about Alaska races, the, the hotbed of American politics. <laughs> you might want to check back in after November 20th when some final numbers come out. But it seems so far to be working and giving more moderate candidates a chance. Uh, Murkowski would have never got through the primary. We'll see how it goes. More moderate? Can't, well, I'm confused. Am I missing something? Well, um, Sarah. Pa so they have ranked choice in Alaska. It's really oh, exciting, actually. Right, it's right, pretty right. cool. And it dealt the, the death blow to Sarah Palin. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's actually a lot of interesting stuff coming out of Alaska, and I and I we did not. Spoiler alert: If you haven't finished the episode, we did not talk about Alaska in our midterm episode. Um, the one part that's frustrating about ranked choice is having to wait for so mm. long. Yeah. But people got to get on this, man. It's a really good, smart, fair way to conduct these elections. It's it's going to take a while to bleed into the system so that people really begin to understand it because it's not an easy thing to wrap your mind around. But yeah, I think it's a it's a really good thing to dig into. So thank you, Thomas, for bringing that up. And to round out the midterm feedback, we've got our buddy Knudsen. Reminder. Knudsen curates our Facebook group, which is growing exponentially. I wouldn't call it exponentially, but it's growing really healthily. How's that? Sure. Is that a fine word? I think so. Knudsen said, oh, so go to unfuckers at all on Facebook if you want to join the group, because, you know, we're taking a Twitter break because holy fuck, Elon. Hiya, Max. I'm shooting this off quick, but we'll send you my on the ground take for the Wisco midterms later. We have to stop using the freight. Oh, here we go. We have to stop using the phrase the lesser of two evils when voting for a candidate we don't fully agree with. That leaves a bad thought in our heads. Who wants to think they voted for an evil? My preferred is voting for the greatest possible good. I know Hochul's problematic, but she was the greatest possible good when compared to Zeldin. As a fan of how language is important, I figure this is something you can take to heart. So I will give you that on nearly every example, and I think it's a good thing to incorporate going forward. I just can't get there with Hochul because of what she did. I'm sorry. She broke I, my trust forever. I disagree because I think that framing it like I'm all obviously being positive is great. And I think we should be positive and we shouldn't be bogged down by negativity overwhelmingly. But I think just calling the better candidate when it truly is just, OK, they're a little better, the greatest possible good. Yep. I think if we're talking amongst ourselves, sure, people who are politically involved. But if we're if we're going to try to adopt that, let's say universally, I think it's going to breed complacency because you're going to be like, well, it still could work out, you know, so just as language matters in one way, it matters in the other way, because someone who's not as well versed in what Hochul has done as we are, especially as New Yorkers, might be like, well, yeah, she's great. I mean, she's better than Zeldin. That's kind of where it stops. But it doesn't also mean frames she's Zeldin good. as a possible good guy as well. 
Exactly. So I don't agree. Um, I appreciate the idea, but in almost every case, I, I can't. I can't imagine. Just like you said, you agree in every case except this one. I don't think there's any case where this is appropriate because it's either a candidate who is a little better than the the shitty one, or a candidate that is obviously good. In which so case, if we think about, and I don't know. I think he's out. Actually, I think he's he declared he's not running, but. And I got to look that up. Adam Kinzinger is a good example, right? So if Adam Adam Kinzinger is a moderate Republican who was on the January 6th commission, very vocal, anti-Trumper, never moved off that stance and, you know, really reflected more old school, what we would consider old school Republican values, yada, yada, represented his district as best he could. If he was running against the Democrat who we had good feelings towards, I would I would say maybe in an instance like that, you know, hey, I understand he's done some really great things. It's not exactly Liz Cheney, but he's 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 a good person. He seems like a quality Republican and a good face for the Republican Party that we'd like to see more of. But you know what? I got to say, the Democrat is still my preference. So he's the greater of two possible goods there. That I can wrap my head around. Right. In this instance, I I, I just I can't get there. I, I think be- there. because they're usually they're, the dichotomy is so wide or strong. I don't know which one would go better with dichotomy. But think? look, like you know, Masters, Mastriano, uh, Carrie Lake. I mean, some of these real fucking nutbags that they put off. There's just no way to frame them as exactly the, the you know like the lesser Fetterman of a better good Oz. or whatever it is. Right. Like you're gonna call. There's just so I understand that we're trying to move towards positivity, and it's something you did with thought of like, hey, let's let's reframe this. But sometimes we need to be. We need to be appropriate and we need to say what it is. And if somebody is bad, if both people are bad, I'm not going to concede just so someone feels less sad about it, you know, because otherwise no one's going to mobilize and no one's going to do it. Yeah. So the end. Sorry, Knudsen. Still love you, bud. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Kidding to everybody. Just goodness. Big disclaimer. Quite the tear. I know. It's Um, the allergies. Do you want to get into where are we heading here? We're heading down to Facebook. Down to Instagram. Um, We're just going to cover, since this is no longer a speed round, we're just going to cover our midterm recap feedback, and then any other feedback will be rolled into our proper show notes next week. Apologies for the mid-episode change, but yeah. Brendan T. had written in a little while ago about, what was his name? Was his name Gary Chambers? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So Brendan had written in about a candidate that he was following named Gary Chambers, so... Brennan said, I both know we got to stay aligned and get Dems in office and fuck the DNC for abandoning Louisiana. I just can't imagine that there isn't enough money to help Chambers or even that spoiler Mixon at least run some TV ads. All I've seen in the last few weeks is that fuck nugget racist liar John Kennedy up there lying about, well, fucking everything. Max, help me understand why we don't also help Louisiana. Chambers keeps talking about having 900,000 registered black voters in Louisiana and con John Kennedy won with under 600,000 votes last term. We also have a shitload of progressive white people in New Orleans. Seems or New Orleans, Orleans. <laughs> Seems like we have a chance if we mobilize the way they did in Georgia. Am I just a sad, naive progressive? Thanks for giving me some space to rant. I love everything you three create. Maybe one day we can unfuck the South. So Brendan T, thank you for reaching out to us again. This brings up a thought that uh, let's go back for one second to the, either part one or part two of our Clinton series, where we spent a lot of time talking about Jesse Jackson. 
we're going to actually link, if it's okay, 99 with you, why don't, can, if we can link a speech in show notes uh, that you can find on YouTube. It's generally referred to as Jackson's David and Goliath speech, and it might be one of his best. And in that speech, it's very hard not to be moved to, I mean, to your core in listening to that speech. He talks about the efforts of his coalition to turn many of the southern districts by registering black voters. And he calls them rocks just laying around. And that's the reference to David and Goliath, saying that the rocks that we need to slay Goliath are all around us. And in that case, they're in the form of underrepresented or underregistered voters in the South. Now, a lot of the good hard work has been done to register voters, but there's another battle brewing, and that is more voter suppression. And you'll see that with the introduction of voter ID laws. You'll see that with, you know, different forms of it. it, it, These are essentially just, you know, poll taxes and literacy taxes, but in a different form, just trying to create barriers, doing away with mailed in ballots or early voting and things like that, not counting ballots until that day always, you know, bringing ballots to court and what have you. So all of these different measures are intended to, oh, and getting rid of actual polling places and taking them out literally like they did in Florida, taking them out of predominantly black communities. I mean, this is classic and unconstitutional voter suppression, and sometimes they get away with it. So we have to battle on that front. But the other thing is engagement. Just being registered isn't enough. It's all about turnout and it's about motivation. And you're right. I agree with you that if the DNC was interested in a future, they would be doing a couple of things throughout the South and then also paying very fucking close attention to the ever growing and ever active Hispanic population because the turnout within the Latin Latino community is growing faster than any other community, and they are more representative and more diverse. They do not vote as a single block. We should be pouring ads off cycle into all of these states and all of these places, motivating and inspiring people to get out. We did see a large turnout among the youth. They were motivated by the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. That core, the youth core, can be activated as we've also seen that black voters can be energized and activated if they see something that is tangibly appealing to them. When they don't see it, there's no reason for them to come out, and that's where hope begins to fade into despair. So you do it by not showing up. We we had a, when I ran for office years and years ago, one of the things that I was warned about is... Having the standard cookout on this place that they called the Hill. So this predominantly black district in the area that I ran for office, every election year, so every two years, the Republican Party, and that's who I was with 20 years ago, would have a cookout in this district. They go up and they would, you know, make hot dogs and hamburgers and They'd, you know, bring up, uh, you know, games and they'd hang there for a couple of hours. They'd shake some hands, kiss some babies, and then you wouldn't see them again for two years. And one of the first things that a guy who's still probably one of my closest friends that I met during that campaign who lived in the district said was, whatever you do, 
Keep your fucking hot dogs and your hamburgers out of this district and do not bring a barbecue up here. There's nothing more patronizing and nothing that's going to lose the faith and, and support of people here than to come here and patronize us with the stupid fucking cookout. We're tired of it. That's the kind of stuff that the Democratic Party still does. They just don't fucking get it. The Republicans, they don't even bother anymore. They really don't. The black vote has been cast aside in such a way in this country that it is almost impossible to reconcile in our minds. So, yes, Brendan, activation, engagement, get out the vote is more than just phone calls and do me a favor notes running up to Election Day. It's about putting in the work in between. It's about doing what Stacey Abrams actually did in Georgia. Will Louisiana ever flip? I don't know. But can we flip a seat here and there? Absolutely. We just got to figure that out and go for it. So I don't think it's naive. I think it's actually our job. Anyway. I think that's all we have. And uh, I think a good note to end on. You know, I think it was empowering. Dig it. All right. All right, I'm Fuckers. We'll see you in the education episode. And then 99 and I will be back on the flip side of that. Hopefully next week with show notes. Um, we'll, yeah. fi- we'll figure that out Should somehow, be right? normal. I mean, unless you're, are you going to take off the whole week for colonizer Thanksgiving? No, but I may look to colonize some people. Is that right? a euphemism? I don't know. Pervert. Catch you later. <laughs> no, no laughter? <laughs> Just going to go out deadpan? <laughs> <laughs>